just want to thank you all for being here and uh, welcome you to uh, our Quip Hour. Um, it's a study that we've been doing on First and Second Peter. And uh, for those that are on the on the on the on the web listening to this, we have that on Sunday mornings. And uh, just want to in, uh, invite you to that. David Torres and myself uh, teach that, and we're in a team teaching opportunity for a little while. So we, we have chosen not to. Um, uh, not to uh, have time be our necessary um, ingredient, but to um, uh, allow us to really understand what, what Peter has to say in this passage, in this in this book, for us here today. So, with that, um, I'd like to open our time in prayer and get started. Um, let's begin in prayer. Father, I thank you so much for the fact that you are you are a God who has um, loved us uh, with an everlasting love. A love that uh, goes beyond all telling, a love that is higher than the heavens and deeper, deep and wider, the width of anything that is east to west, longer than. Um, Father, we are um, always um, just completely overcome by um, your great love and that you are faithful to the uttermost. And Father, I pray that you would help us in our time together this morning. I pray that it would be profitable in each one of our lives. Father, you have you have said that you're in your word that um, in Isaiah that your word never, 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 never comes back void, but it seeks out and it accomplishes the, the exact purposes that your will has architected in um, the lives of those who hear it. And Father, for this morning in this place at this time, we um, ask your Spirit to accomplish His purposes and His will. Father, I pray that you would allow us to be able to see as uh, into um, the vast treasure trove of spiritual privileges that um, you have laid out for us and that Peter so eloquently articulates. Father, I pray that you would help us understand these, help us to um, savor them. Father, I pray that they would cease things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, what I prayed for there really is a, is a component of, of what uh, um, Dave and I have always tried to do in our teaching, our, um, but um, we, we, we want to let you know as we enter into the fall season that we want to um, have an intentionality to our teaching in the Equip Hour that also um, encounters the word training. And, and training versus teaching, what's the difference, I guess, would be a great question. Yeah. Application. Application application in our lives and that we would be transformed, that we would be changed by the Spirit of God as a result of um, coming on in our equip hour. So that is kind of a, a slight nuance that we have had held high in the past, but we want to be intentional about communicating and, and, in, and in, uh, integrating into how we go about what we're doing um, on Sunday mornings. And you're going to see more of that here in the fall, and you're also going to see more of that as we kind of think about how 2013 is going to be very different um, in the Equip Hour going forward. Um, and so you'll, you'll, you'll find out more about that as we, as we uh, continue to um, set plans in place that we, we ask God to um, use uh, in, the, in this body. So um, with that, uh, um, I, I'd like to um, just... Uh, talk about a couple of things. First of all, as far as the questions go, um, if you were here last week, share a few insights that you learned in how we are to develop a desire for the Word of God. Any thoughts there? 
that, that you took away from last couple weeks I, is what I t- uh, really asked you to think about. Yeah, Dave. Amen. Amen. Yeah, definitely. Foundation of it. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Without God's word. Yeah. Um, any other thoughts? Yep. Yep. Yes. 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 So as a result, let's let's take a look at that. Um, what we said last week was how do we develop a desire for God's word? Um, it. It, I, I tried to summarize what Dave said last week, which is these five things. Um, look at verse 1a. Therefore, he begins chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, the therefore connects back to chapter 1 when he's talking about the precious blood of Christ and the incredible power of the eternal word of God. Those transformational agents are part of this power that transformed us. Okay, And then he says, 1B, putting aside all sin. So he says, put aside all these things. Malice, guile, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. To put aside sin. I'm going I'm to build on that this week also a little bit at, a, at the end of our time together. And then he said, recognize your spiritual need. That's like a no-duh, isn't it? But isn't it crazy how that particular issue alone sets the decision-making processes in my heart to want to commune with God versus not to commune with God? Isn't that an amazing thing that happens? That when I recognize the reason why I pray, because He is able and because I need Him, that I've gone from a place of independency now to a place of dependency in my heart, And it's not without that and a spirit of thankfulness that I will ever approach the throne of God. And we wonder why we don't pray effectively. That's it. That's it. I don't recognize my spiritual need. I don't want to be dependent. I want to become independent. Uh, The fourth one here, so 2A was um, like, like like newborn babes, long for the pure milk of the word. So they crave the word, right? They, they, they desire that. And I heard a lot of good conversations around that in our time, in, in uh, setting up the, uh, in the questions and, and discussion point. And then the, third, th- the fourth one here is to pursue growth through the word. He says, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. You may grow in respect to salvation. So this is God's purpose in our life. Um, the fact that I represent a need that I'm not where God wants me to be yet is the foundational anchor around which I, I need to grow. I need to understand God, God wants me to become like Christ. And therefore, I am way far from that. And so now I want to become everything I can be so I have a listening ear or, or, or I have a listening um, approach to the Word of God. It's not about just learning stuff. It's about like transforming me to become more like Christ. That's a different thing. I now have a responsibility to take it utterly seriously. Utterly seriously. Like most important thing. (laughs) And then last thing here is consider His goodness and blessing, which we left off with is verse 3. If if you have tasted the kindness of God of the Lord, I would suggest that we said that that's really since you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. So 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 let me flip it around, okay? Therefore, because of the power that's transformed you, go to the end of go to verse three. Because you have tasted the kindness of the Lord in salvation, what? Put aside sin, understand your need, and most importantly, pursue growth through the Word of God. Does that make sense? So it's because you have become children of God 
because of that, you should do these things. And so that's the that's building from where we left off last week, if you would. Any thoughts or comments on that at all? Okay? So let's move to our learning objectives for this week. If you want to flip to the next, slot, next page in your handout. Um, these learning objectives, Dave and I have, have worked together to make sure that these learning objectives are going to uh, uh, form our learning objectives for, the, for this week and the next three weeks as we talk about spiritual privileges. And so these specific learning objectives are things we're going to come back to each week and confirm, are we, are we really meeting these particular goals? Okay, so let me walk you through it. It is that we, here collectively equip our, going through Peter, would comprehend. Uh, what does the idea of comprehend really mean? Is it, is it is all about intelligence or all about like learning something cognitively? Only? No, it's learn and understand and therefore do something about it. That's what, lear- that's what comprehend is. It, if I'm just learning about it in my mind, I'm not, it, it hasn't become wisdom in my heart, in my life. So that would comprehend the precious spiritual privileges that we have in Christ. Why? So that. That's what we're going to try to do in our learning objectives going forward. So that something will happen. So that, what? We would grasp, cherish, and savor. What does the word savor speak to you of? Oh, enjoy. Enjoy. What, what's your most favorite food? <laughs> right? Uh, chocolate. <laughs> that I would... Let me add another word. Relish. Relish. Savor. Like, allow it to just ruminate in my... In my in my in my mouth and 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 taste the goodness of it, right? Okay, good. What the multifaceted glory? We're going to talk in the next three weeks after this week and this week about the multifaceted glory that comes our way. Why? Because we are now called children of the living God. Wow, wow. So that's. That's our objective, um, and, and, and the outcome would be that we are changed, that we are changed, that we are changed. Okay? Spiritual privileges, learning objectives. Um, so, um, how we've broken the spiritual privileges up is like this. Um, so, this week, um, I'll be talking about our coming to Christ, our union with Christ. Uh, next week, I'll be talking about our access to God. Uh, The third week, Dave will be talking about our security in Christ, our affection for Christ, our election by Christ, our dominion with Christ. And then last but not least, the fourth week, Dave will be talking about our separation to Christ, our possession by Christ, our illumination in Christ, our compassion from Christ, and our proclamation of Christ. So a lot of components, but each one of these is part of this multifaceted um, understanding of what it means to be a child of the living God. And so, this is how Peter is setting up this entire book, right? He's done chapter 1, and now he's beginning chapter 2 with, like, like sincerely long for the Word of God. Why? And now he's going to, like, explain all these components that are part of... And Paul does the same thing, interestingly enough, in Ephesians, doesn't he? And Colossians, and, and Philippians. It does a very similar kind of an approach. And this is going to be where we get the chance to savor the multifaceted glory of being a child of God, of the living God. Okay, um, so 
Uh, would somebody read this out loud? Um, let's see. Uh, Cheryl, would you re- read this out loud? Choice and precious in the sight. Who also, as living tongues, are being built up as a spiritual to offer up spiritual sacrifices. Awesome. So the portion in blue is what I'm covering today. The portion in gray is what I'll cover next week. Um, coming to him as a living stone, rejected by men, choice and precious in the sight of God. You also as living stones. So let's first of all talk about our coming to Christ. Our coming to Christ. That's the first blank there. Our coming to Christ. Um, when you think about coming to Him, one of the questions I asked you was, um, uh, what does it mean to come to Christ? And what are different ways in our lives that we do that? What does it mean to come to Christ? Thoughts? Yep. Yeah, there's a leader. He just took it from you and ran with it because you didn't run with it first. <laughs> No, 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 I'm just kidding. <laughs> so we looked, in context, it looked like it involved like repenting and yep. then, like not just being neutral now, yep. but then, like going to the other side, which is like braving the, the pure milk, which would be like the word of God. Exactly, um, exactly. Good. Yep. yep. A great way to come to him is to take the proactive, the, the offensive component, not just sitting back, because when we sit back, we won't long for the word of God. Longing is a craving that actually comes from from intentionality in our life. Yeah. Okay. What else? Yeah, Dave. Okay. Fellowship, intimacy. What was the first one? Okay. Relationship, and the last one was what? Intimacy. Intimacy. Okay. Great. Um, others. Amen. And where that being is, Amen. And you're facing in the right direction. Amen. Then you can move, come closer to that being. Amen. That is Jesus. You need to do recognition of Amen. to move toward Him. Amen. Yeah. Before you are. Amen. Before. Which is kind of what we were talking about a little bit ago, right? Yeah, exactly. That I have a need. Why would I want to come to somebody when I don't think that they they're going to bring me something? We've all been wired by God to to want to be. Fulfilled to be want to be understood to be, uh, we go to people because we know they have ability, they have what we need, and so yeah, I think that's a really important point. Any other thoughts? Yeah, isn't that interesting? And I want to just hit on that really quickly: is that in order to have a need, in order to come to Him, we have to surrender. We have to surrender ourselves first. So there's this element of, of moving from being, having an independent heart to, to moving to a dependent heart of, of just letting that go and seeing that he has everything I need. So that, that's a process in every one of our hearts sitting here in this room, a process by which he is doing in each of our lives at different places, different times, but he is doing it right now, which is an amazing thing. So let me talk about two ways that we come to him. First is that salvation, um, and it is by coming to Jesus at the moment of salvation that believers actually enter into this realm of spiritual privilege, privileges. We're, 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 it's important to note that non-believers can't come to Him in this way. Um, they don't have these spiritual privileges. And so we come to Him because He is the source of life. He is the source of, of everything. You know, remember the disciples that, you know, what was it Peter or somebody said, you know, Lord, where would we go if we didn't come to you? There's no other place to go. 
um, awesome salvation. Um, second is intimacy. We've talked about it a little bit here already. Intimacy. It is by returning to or coming to Him or drawing close to Him or drawing near to Him that we actually signal our desire to commune with Him and experience intimacy, which is an abiding relationship with or a deep personal fellowship with Him. Abiding relationship or deep personal fellowship. I think of John, John 15, right? Abide with me. Um, uh, and I, I, because I, I have life and I, I give it to you through um, abiding with me, right? It's returning to, it's coming to, it's drawing close to, it's all of these things here. Um, turn with me to, um, we're going to look at a number of passages today, so get your, get your scripture fingers going here. Um, grab your Bibles. Let's go to Matthew 11, uh, 28 and 29. Somebody read that out loud. Matthew 11, 28 and 29. Amen. You'll find rest for your souls. Come to me, all you who are weary, heavy laden, and I will give you rest. This word weary is the idea of worn out. It's the idea of... um, of, It's the idea of the feelings that come our way when we have an independent heart. And we can never measure up. That's what this is. You who are weary. And it says you who are heavy laden. You who are... Holding all of that weight of measuring up, performing, you put the word in there. All of you who are doing that, you are weighed down in your shoulders because you have not making God, making God like who He wants to become in your life, in my life, and therefore we are weighed down by the cares of the world. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's this. Maybe it's that. We are. Stressed. I heard this table talk about this as far as our time and all these things. And yet, he says, like, come to me. <laughs> come to me. And the assumption here is that you are heavy laden. And you are weary. As a result of the fact that you are, just come. Come. Still. And know that I am God. And I will be your source of strength. Isaiah, I will make you mount up like wings, with wings like eagles, and you will run and not be tired. You'll walk and not faint. That's, that's what it means. That's, what, that's, that's the strength that comes from intimacy with God in our life. Um, turn with me to Hebrews 4.16. Hebrews 4.16. Somebody want to read that? Why can we have confidence according to this verse? By the way, the word confidence means openly and unashamed. Okay. Yes. Look at the verse before. We have a high priest who, one, has walked in the shoes that we have, and number two, he fully understands and can sympathize with everything we've gone through. Amen. Amen. So we can have confidence. What to do what? To draw near. To draw near. That's the word that I'm talking about here. Draw near, commune, have intimacy with, personal fellowship with, abide in. It's the same thing. Why? That we may receive mercy and find grace in, the, in, in help, to help in time of need. Back to what, what Terry just said a second ago. Do we think we have a need? <laughs> if, we ha- if, we, if we are coming to Him because we think we have a need and it's an ongoing abiding thing, which is what this is talking about, 
then it's an ongoing situation of need, need that exists in my soul. Do I, do I really understand that God is the only provider of that on an ongoing basis in my soul? Otherwise, I'm going to do this as a milestone in the journey of my life as opposed to the way in which I live my life. Those are two radically different polar opposite situations. And he's talking in this passage about coming to him. Don't come to him. Coming to him, which is what? Present tense, right? Present tense. Absolutely. Look at chapter 7, verse 25. Somebody read that out loud. Anybody, go ahead. Consequently, he is able to serve most. Those who draw near to God always lives to make... I love this verse. This, this word, uttermost. You know, I think I always think of Buzz Lightyear, remember? Like, to infinity and beyond, to the, the uttermost, you know? <laughs> it's like, that's what this is. He says, to save to the uttermost, to save forever. Those who what? Draw near to God through Him, through Christ. It's Him who lives forever to make intercession on our behalf. I don't know about you, but I need, I need somebody making intercession on, on my behalf all the time. And that's what Christ has promised He is doing with the throne of God. 10.22. 10.22. Somebody else? Uh, do 21.22. The first requirement that verse 22 gives us in order to draw near is to do it with a sincere heart. The sincere heart, what does that mean? What does that mean? What does a sincere heart mean? Genuine? Other thoughts? Yep. Yep. And give it to him all, all of it, right? It's the idea of genuine, the all, the all aspect of this. It's, it's, it's the thought process of having no divided allegiances in my heart. It's that I'm fully in. I'm leaning all the way there. That's the concept of, of, of being able to draw near. He says it's the first requirement of me coming to Christ. What is it at the end of the day? That I'm trusting him. I have faith in him. I faith that he is who he said he is, and that's why I'm coming to him. I've made a conscientious decision in my life to come to him, and that's what I'm going to do because I believe he is who he said he was. Right? Amen. Salvation and intimacy, the two dimensions of coming to him. Um, huge aspects here. Let's take a look at what he means by um, underneath intimacy, which is this idea of making a decision. We decide to draw near to him by faith. We decide to draw near to him by faith. What makes it by faith then? What makes it by faith then? It's not seen. It's wrapped up in what? Not who I am, but who he is, right? What else? Well, let's look at, 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 I have it here, you don't have to turn to it, Hebrews 11.6. It says, without faith it's impossible to what? Please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Why do I come to God? It's because I believe he is a rewarder of those who seek him. This passage, this verse, is where I hang my very soul on. It's that he says he will reward me by giving me and disclosing to me his very character of who he is when I come to him on a regular basis. He's going to, he is faithful to do this. I can testify to you from my own life that there is never a time when I've come to him that he hasn't fulfilled this, this answer here. That he's disclosed himself to me. That, I, that he's a rewarder of who 
who, of, of, of the things that I seek Him with. He always does. He always is. He always will. This verse t- t- tense speaks of, him, of coming to Him and seeking Him continually. The Old Testament is laden with, with passages and commands of us that says, Seek the Lord while He may be found. Seek Him. That's not only about salvation. It's about communion, too. And that's what you see throughout the Psalms are that way. Seek the Lord. Seek the Lord. Well, I won't go do that unless I really fundamentally believe that He's a rewarder of that passion in me to want to seek Him. And that's why He's going to do that. But He says nonstop. Do it continually. Um, and uh, what does that mean in our souls? It means that the bent of our souls um, is to prioritize this over all other things in coming to Him. Coming to Him. The bent of our souls is to prioritize it. What do I have to do to prioritize this in my life? Very simple. This is a profound... Okay, everybody, like, make sure you get this one when you walk away. What do I have to do when I prioritize Him in my life? I make a decision. Make a decision. Because decisions are the kernel of the seed of faith. Decisions in my heart are the kernel of the seeds of faith. It's by making a decision to not do something naturally, but literally to trust God, that that actually sp- that faith actually springs into existence because it never was there before. It didn't exist before. I made a decision. Does that make sense? So d- decisions of my heart are actually can become the, the seeds or the kernels of the seed that creates faith in my life. And 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 if my desire is to please God, what? I please Him by making those decisions. <laughs> That's what He says right here. It says, without faith it's impossible to please God, right? So it's literally by making those decisions to please Him versus myself that faith comes into existence, God is pleased. Wow. When I understood that fundamentally significant issue for, me, for myself personally, it has like changed my whole way of thinking. Now I'm not focused on what I do. Now I'm focused on why I do what I do, which is about pleasing God. That's a different discussion in my soul. That's something radically different than where I normally uh, traverse. And I just want to encourage you to that end. As to a living stone, a living stone is one that's perfected, designed, carved, shaped, and hewn out of and cut out to be the cornerstone upon which the church rests. We're going to talk more about this. But as to a living stone, God designed and shaped this perfect cornerstone. God designed and shaped this perfect cornerstone. Turn with me back in Hebrews to Hebrews 5, verses 8 and 9. 5, verses 8 and 9. Would somebody read those out loud? Let's do 7, 8, and 9. gives you the context a little bit better. 5, 7, 8, and 9. Somebody? Okay, so how did Christ, if back to this point here, how did God design and shape the perfect cornerstone being Christ to ensure that he was fully, let's use the word complete or mature? What does this verse say? Verses say, how did God do that? He allowed him to suffer. And why in the world would we ever think in our lives that we would get to that place 
in, in a more judicious, more expeditious way than the Son of God? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Somehow we think we can. I heard this table talking about it. <laughs> right? <laughs> The sprinkling of the pixie dust happens somehow. <laughs> it helps. But seriously, he says that he, be, he learned obedience. How did he learn it? He taught himself humility through suffering and therefore became complete and made perfect, the idea of being made perfect here is that he was fully, he fully completed the qualification course that was set out before him by God and his will for his life. He went down the course and according to Hebrews chapter 2, swallowed the dregs of suffering on the cross to the very end for me. Oh my goodness. He was such an example of although he was still full of God. What an example of crying and tears. Exactly, exactly. He communed with God and came to a conclusion because of that communion that he needed to do what he needed to do. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Go ahead. Yes, Hebrews 12. So his attitude of that, knowing what was ahead of him, obedience, and his suffering. Yep. And the joy, let me be very clear, the joy was not the cross. The joy was the conclusion of what the cross was going to bring, which was redemption for souls. That was his joy that was set before him. That glory stood on the other side of the cross. And you talk about it in communion. That, at that final supper, he, he knew yes. what was going to happen. Yes. Thanks. Yes. And he gave thanks yes. before him. And, and it weighed on his shoulders. Right. Oh my goodness. His, his disciples didn't know. His disciples didn't know. Can you imagine like, Doing that in reverse, and like having watched his eyes, watched his you know his way, his countenance, knowing that that was actually going to happen. Um, oh my goodness! Yeah. Why all that joy that he knew? Like, like in Gethsemane, literally sweating blood, praying that yep. it wouldn't happen. So yeah. Like, this presence of like anxiety, sadness, right, doesn't yeah. necessarily mean you don't have faith. No. Right. In or fact, you don't also have joy right. somehow. Yeah. In a weird way. Yep. In fact, in fact, you know. When he finally made the decision to go through it, your will, not my will, be done. That was when that faith sprung into being complete. You know, it's it's the decisions made. The outcome of the cross was nothing but the outcome of the decision. That's what I want us to get and understand. Is our lives are shaped. It, it, our intimacy with God is not shaped on what we do. It's shaped on the decisions of our hearts. And it's our decisions of our hearts that bring faith. And then the, the, what is faith? It's the evidence of things that are internal expressed in an external way. So that's why that happened. That's how God shaped him, if you would. Um, all other stones in the building orient around the cornerstone. And my question is, like, what or who are, am I allowing my life to orient around? Is it my job? Is it because I'm busy doing this? Is it my family? Is it my children? Is it my friends? Is it what is it at the end of the day? Is it money? Is it you know? Is it um, a lack of? Uh, is it a desire for not going through challenging times? Is it is it a desire to have peace? Is it, I don't know what it is because it's different in each one of our hearts. But but I suggest my call to you us this morning is like. What is it? Deal with it. Let's let's put it on the table and like 
um, do battle, you know? And we're going to be talking about doing battle for the next three weeks here um, as we go through this together. Living is the second point. He says, as to a living stone. A living stone. And the great news here is that he's a living stone because he lives forever because of his resurrection from the dead. Because of his resurrection from the dead is why he lives forever. Uh, uh, Let's take a look at Acts 2.22. Acts 2.22-24. Somebody want to read that out loud? Acts 2.22-24. Amen. So what do you think it means when he says, he, since it was not possible for him to be held in, in the power of death? Is that because he was God? But he, was the, he, was, he, was, he was the God-man, right? So as a man, he, it was possible for him to be held in the cords of death. If it wasn't, then why did, Christ, why did God raise him from the dead? Right? right? It wasn't he who raised himself from the dead. It says God raised him from the dead. So why, why would it be? I would suggest that it's because he had no sin. He had no sin. It was impossible for him to be held in its power because he was perfect and, and, and he had fulfilled you know, his Father's will. So God raised him up because, um, and gave him life forever because of that. Romans 6 verse 9. Um, let's look at that real quick. Romans 6 9 says... Um, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again, and death no longer is master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Lives to God. So he he lives forevermore to give life. That's the thing that's important here. He lives forevermore to give life. So not only is he alive, but he lives to continually give life to all who trust him. All to trust him. John 10.10. Look at that with me. John 10.10. One of my favorite verses. It's also a tagline that um, Brianne has in her counseling email um, signature. It says... um, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they might have life and might have it abundantly. Life and life abundantly. The satisfaction of our souls. And that's why he continually lives to, to provide that to us. Continually lives to provide that to us. 1 Corinthians 15.45 1 Corinthians 15.45 Somebody got that? Go ahead and read it out loud. 1 Corinthians 15, 45. So it is written, the first Adam became a living son, became a life. Okay. So last Adam is um, Christ, right? It says that he became, to all those who would follow, a life-giving spirit. Not, not once and done, but ongoing uh, life. Um, living life. Um, okay. First uh, John four nine. You don't have to turn there, but I'll I'll read it for you uh, due to time. But he says, "By this the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him." So the purpose of Him doing this is that we might live through Him. 
That's the whole purpose. Well, let's look at uh, the beginning, of, uh, uh, part, part way through 4C. It says, and, and Jesus was rejected by men. He was rejected by men. This word rejected here means to have been examined and tested and found to not measure up. Found to not measure up. Even though Jesus is the source or wellspring of life and spiritual privileges, he's been rejected by men, and he continues to be rejected by men. Um, what, one of my questions to you was, like, how, what are the different various ways that people have rejected Jesus? What are different ways he, he's been rejected? Certainly on you know, the Jews, right? But how else? What, 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 what kind of hits home more, maybe? Thoughts? People charging. Disregarding, yeah, yeah. Take his name in vain. You know, current culture of our day. Have a perspective, right? He's not the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He is one to make fun of or do whatever, right? Yeah. Because that's where he sends like like self-sufficiency rather than like yeah. Yes. It's not holding him in high regard. It's not putting him at the highest place. It's not seeing him for who he is. It's something totally else. And I would suggest, just like we saw in Revelation chapter 1, right? When people catch a glimpse of the risen Christ, they will fall on their face. They will, they will, they will understand in a heartbeat who he is. They will forever be changed. That happens. So, um, the last one I want to talk about as far as ways people have rejected Jesus is I reject Jesus. There's times in my life I make decisions that are wrong and and you know I don't honor him and I don't please him. Well that's a way that I actually personally am rejecting Christ. And 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 that's inhibiting on my intimacy with, with God then. Um, so I, I don't want this to be a rejected by those people. <laughs> Lest I take this back to what Terry said earlier, take this personally, then I won't see myself in that rejection possible. He says, but choice and precious in the sight of God. Choice here means God elected and ordained Jesus. God elected and ordained Jesus. Um, I want to uh, read Hebrews uh, 3, 1 and 2. Let me read that for you. Um, he says... Um, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession. He was faithful to God who appointed him, as Moses was also in all his house. For he has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses by just so much as the builder of the house has more honor than the house. This house metaphor is this spiritual people, this sacred trust that God is doing in the church. And so he's doing this thing. He's choice and elected. So it's interesting that, that he's rejected by man up above, but then he, he's... And I, I, I circle this word but in, in here because I'm going to talk about it in a second. This but. But, in God's mind, he's choice and precious. And on top of that, he, he, uh, precious means like God considered Jesus a costly, pro, highly prized, rare, perfect cornerstone. Um, but I wanted to talk about this one, which is literally perspective changes everything. Perspective changes everything. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. My favorite chapter of the book, of Bible. Romans chapter 8. Somebody want to read outside, um, uh, out loud, verses uh, 36 for us? Romans eight thirty-six. Okay. 
And uh, then verse 37. Isn't it great that there's a but here? <laughs> I mean, because the verse 36 is the way the world sees us. And that's the way the world has seen Christians throughout all ages. But God, God has a different perspective. And when I see my life, when I see myself, when I see situations of circumstances of my soul in light of the context of perspective around God's perspective, not the world's perspective, then all of a sudden everything changes. Everything changes. Everything changes. When you think about perspective in your own life, you know, some of the words that I use when I talk to people and I talk to myself even about gaining perspective are these kinds of things. Hold on. You know, you know what hold on just does to a person when they're in the midst of a very challenging situation? Hold on. How about this one? I love this from the song, We Are Held. We are held. We're held by God. Got us in His hand. How about this one? There's hope. It's hope. There's hope. How about this one? He's on the throne. God is still on the throne. How about this one? He is with me. He is with me. How about this one? God is still the Lord God Almighty. How about this one? He'll never forsake me. Never forsake me. How about this one? I somehow, based upon what Peter said, can have joy inexpressible and full of glory in the midst of this situation. Wow. How about this one? Press on. Press on. How about this one? He is coming. He is coming. Maranatha. Quickly. How about this one? First things will pass away. Wow. Changes perspective pretty quickly, doesn't it? But yet without that anchor to hold on to in our souls, we are in the midst of chaos. Midst of chaos. Perspective changed off a lot in that God's hand that held the chisel. That shaping was done to perfection from His perspective. Doom every one of us to be sculptors to understand everything about that perspective. His perspective, His action. Now His perfection is helping us to understand. Amen. Amen. I can say it better. Well, not only are we to come to Christ, but um, Peter focuses on our union with Christ. Our union with Christ. I'm going to nail this out really quickly here so you can get it down, and then next week we'll, we'll uh, pick up on it again. Um, he says, and you also with live, as living stones. When sinners come to faith in Christ, the living stone, we too become living stones in that we share His life. We don't just worry, worship Him, obey Him, and pray to Him. We are united with Him as stones in a spiritual building of which He is the cornerstone. Um, Ephesians 2, 19 and 20 say the following... Ephesians 2, 19 and 20. <clears throat> 2, 19 and 20 says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints, and you are of God's household, having been built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building, quote, is being fitted together, present tense, and is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are, quote, being built together into a dwelling place of God by His Spirit. What a fascinating thing to know, that God is in the process of making this happen. He has actually brought us together in what He calls the church, which is the most important,
important thing in, in the entire economy of, the, of uh, uh, his economy, and he, sh- he shed his blood for it, and he is in the process of building it. And he says, the gates of Hades will not, will not overcome this effort, this, this thing I'm doing here. Um, and so we're, we're, we are united with him as stones in a spiritual building. As a result, two things. First, we, are, we become partakers of his divine nature. We become partakers of his divine nature. Um, as a result of, 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 of this process, um, uh, turn with me to 1 Thessalonians. We'll close with these two and we'll hold off on the next section. We'll cover that next time uh, because I want you to do some work on that. Um, yeah, homework. First uh, Thessalonians 5, uh, verse 23 and 24. 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 23 and 24 says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. Um, may your spirit and soul and body be presented complete, without blame at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he who calls you, and faithful is he who will bring it to pass. How cool is it to know that our God is faithful, and that since He called us, He will bring it to pass. Um, he, will, he will create in us character and a nature that is like His. And that's the, what He's doing right now. Last point here for the day is that as a result, we become partakers of His resurrection power. Resurrection power. It is that um, he, I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. I can do all things through, through Him who strengthens me. Um, and uh, um, I think that is the key thing that we need to understand is that we have, the, we have the ability to live in the cross, in the shadow of the cross, with the power of the resurrection. What more do we really need than that? So with that, I want to hold there. And if you'll just take that one other page. I um, thought I had an extra one here. Yeah, could I just hold, hold it? If you'll, if you'll take a look at this, what I want you to do is to do this this week and bring it back. Okay? This is a, this, we're now going from teaching to what? Training. Okay? So now we're going to go to training. Because throughout these four weeks that Dave are, and I are working on this, spiritual privileges, savoring what it means to be a child of the living God, then how do I, how do I ensure my fellowship and intimacy with Jesus is becomes all it can be. Well, that takes self-reflection. I have to look at that myself. So this week, what I'm going to be doing is ask, answering these questions on the left. Okay, I'm going to look up these verses here that are next to them. Then I'm going to take this third column over assessment of myself personally. On a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being high, 1 being low, I'm going to say, where do I stand personally today? on these things. And I want to be honest with myself because until I know the need, which is the gap between where I'm at today and where I want to be, then I can't really very, do a very well of saying, how do I close that gap? Okay? So what will I do differently? I want to write in some things here. And when we start our time next week in, uh, in the intro, this is part of what we're going to start into. And then Dave and I are going to take two of these each time and talk through these in our time together. And we want to share some of the thoughts and, and input that each person has. Does that make sense to everybody? Okay? Yep. Okay, thank you. So, um, Dave, would you close us in prayer? Amen. Have a great day.